0: I think this game has just proven that Jared Bowen should be on the plane to the World Cup and he should not only be on the plane, that he should probably be starting for England at the World Cup. Holland's the future for them. So they can't change Holland for Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola needs to change for Erling Holland.
1: Look at Walter Smith's side. The the guy, unfortunately, is no longer with us, but he's a legend, an icon. He built probably one of the most faithful Rangers sides of the last 50 years. Do something he, he didn't do. He couldn't do, and I think it's a chance to cement yourself in history.
0: Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome back to episode 20 of the Two Foot Attacker Podcast. I'm your host, Aris Tamatakos, and yes, episode 20, we've hit, well, it's not double digits because we've been in double digits for a while, but we've hit 20. I've been doing this for 20 straight weeks. Um, it's been a pleasure, so if I've entertained... At least one person over the last twenty weeks, and that that would be more than enough um so yeah he's he's to um' he's to thirty and then hopefully fifty and then hopefully a hundred episodes down the line um but before we start, um I hope you all had a good week. I hope the football treated you well. There's a lot to speak about based on what happened in the Premier League events of last night, so we'll touch on that, and obviously there was a some transfer business that happened midweek which happened just after I released the podcast for last week. So, if it's old news now, I can't not speak about it. Um, So, yeah, um, I'm just going to have to speak about it. I know it's a week old, but I think I won't be doing my due diligence if I don't speak about it. Um, I know in the title it says that I will be joined, or that I should be joined by the one and only Pommy and Oz, but that will be in the second half, second half, last Part of the um of the podcast as we preview the Europa League final because his boys Rangers got through um against Frankfurt so it's it was a good chat so stick around for that because that will be very insightful as you get a Rangers perspective on that game um and before we start before we delve, delve into the football I hope I just implore you all rather to um subscribe on YouTube give it a like the goal is and I put this around on on the on the socials um. Maybe towards the back end of last week I want to hit 100 subscribers On YouTube by June 7th And June 7th is the Socceroos vs UAE I want to hit 100 subscribers By that date And we're currently on 74 I believe by the time of recording Or at the time of recording even So that'll be 26 So that's a, a bit around about a subscriber a day Which you know what I back, I back us to do it I back us to do it A, a subscriber a day So Share it around, give it some love, create some fake accounts and subscribe to it. That that works for me as well. Um, but just on those fake accounts, just watch it, like it, comment on it as well. Um, that would be greatly appreciated. But um, yeah, so there's the YouTube side of things. Obviously, hit the post notification bell as well so you don't miss an upload. Um, what else? What else is there? Oh, yeah, the, the audio platforms, the um, original platforms. Um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Anchor. Give it a five star rating or a thumbs up or whatever the rating system is on your respective plat uh, respective platforms. Um, just give it give it the equivalent of five star. It would be greatly appreciated. Um, and yeah, there's a, obviously the socials as well. That's what I forgot. The socials: um, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Foot Attacker Podcast. On all of them, um, there there is a link tree in the both Twitter and Instagram bios. If you want to get all the Two Foot Attacker Podcast needs. Um, just click, click, click that button, or click that link, and then you'll be taken to the hub for all TFT news. Now, let's enough of that. Enough of that. Let's move on to the football, and let's start. I was gonna start with Erling Haaland, and that was gonna be my plan up until about midnight, or maybe one o'clock last night, when Manchester City have now. Maybe not fallen, but have faltered in their title race. It was obviously a two-all draw against two all draw against West Ham. And now it sets up, pres- uh, presuming a Liverpool win against Southampton midweek, it sets up some sort of final day. And the equation for Liverpool, um, should they beat Southampton, and we're going to assume that they will, um, is they need City to drop points in any way, and they do come up against Steven Gerrard and Philip Coutinho's Aston Villa in the last game of the season, so, I mean, I mean, there's, this this league and this season and this year of football has thrown up so many stories that, I mean, I wouldn't put a past I wouldn't put it past Vaston Villa to, to create something special. But the reason that we are in this predicament is because, obviously, West Ham put something out of the bag, and in, specific, in specifically, or especially, um, Jared Bowen. And I think, I think this game has just proven that Jared Bowen should be on the plane the world cup and he should not only be on the plane that he should probably be starting for england at the world cup because he took a big game he took a massive game for not only in the league context but in west ham seasons context he took that game by the scruff of the neck and got the point for west ham it was two brilliantly taken goals the first one was class the second one was prolific jared bowen should be on the plane and he should be on the plane. He should be starting for England in um in the World Cup. But knowing Gareth Southgate, he'll probably start Sterling and Grealish and then Sancho and all these guys that, based on pedigree, should probably be starting. But based on form, probably shouldn't be. But I guess we we'll have to wait and see. That is um, that is months away now. But let's move back to to Man City, and I feel like this was the game that everyone thought they could they will falter in. It was set up from the start to be to be a game to be a game and it was obviously Jared Bowen's early goal and then his second just before half time to set up a a blockbuster second half jack relish deflected shot into a um vladimir sufail own goal um gave well jack relish scored the first half from a deflection and then an own goal from sufail to equalise with about half an hour to go, and it was squeaky bum time to put it in, to put it into context, or to put it—I think those are the words—to describe it beautifully for the last half an hour. Um, and it was Riyad Mahrez who had the chance, and we saw a dramatic penalty shootout um, over the weekend in the, at Wembley, and at the London Stadium there was a dramatic penalty which was saved by Fabianski in goal. It, it, it was written, it was poetry, it was poetic, it was idyllic. It was an idyllic day of football in terms of setting up what should be some sort of final day. And if our, I said this, if anyone's going to do it, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Liverpool. Because they just have no give, They just have. they're just so relentless. And I just have, I don't know why I have faith in them. Because I shouldn't have faith in them. Because obviously I'm a Chelsea supporter and the logic dictates and history dictates that I should lean towards Manchester City to win the league. But I can't help but get invested in this in this Liverpool team. I can't help but get invested in this squad, in the manager, in the in the, everything that surrounds them. So I really am not surprised in the slightest that Liverpool are in this... Be- Position in terms of, you maybe saw in January, City were what twelve points clear. It all looked, it it looked all but over, and I think I I went on record, um, plenty of times and said it's game over. But is it City's petulance? Is it Liverpool's just relentlessness? I don't know what it is, but the league is has been blown wide open, and I actually I really want Liverpool to win against Southampton because this final day could be something else could be something else so hopefully hopefully it's given to us hopefully hopefully the footballing gods can give us a repeat of maybe not um 2018-19 because that was a pretty boring last day city won comfortably but maybe maybe a Liverpool player can put themselves into um, Liverpool folklore, just like Sergio Aguero did all those years ago. Um, speaking on Sergio Aguero, that statue looks, with all due respect, fucking shit. Um, it looks like Tony Cruz. It literally just looks like Tony Cruz. But um, it's Man City at the end of the day, so we can't expect a whole lot from them. Um, but no, um, it yeah, I, I do expect both teams to realistically, both teams should win their their remaining games. I know obviously, Man City versus Aston Villa, Liverpool versus Southampton, and Newcastle? Wolves, so yeah, so they go to Southampton, and they should win that, and then they host the Wolves, they should win that, and then Man City, obviously, versus Aston Villa, um, yeah, versus Aston Villa at home, so they should win, both teams should win those those remaining games, but I feel like there's one more twist in the tale, this, this story isn't written just yet there's something left to play and there's something something's going to happen over the weekend something's happening I, it's some, I can feel it and I, I don't know which way it's going to go I don't know whether it's going to be a, a Philip Coutinho masterclass or a Steven Gerrard masterclass or it's going to be a a Wolves upset to, um, to break Liverpool hearts but something's going to happen and it will be a fitting end to a fantastic season. And moving on from this season to next season, but staying with Manchester City, it is the topic that covered or that um, blinded all football media last week. As we spoke about a little bit before, Erling Holland to Man City is confirmed. Um, and before I touch on everything regarding like average positions and stats and all that nerdy stuff, which I'll get into, don't worry. Um, I just want to give my overall thoughts on it. Um, this could go either one of two ways for, for me. And either we're going to see... So the first option and the option which most people are fearing is that Man City are going to run away with the league for the next 10 years and it's going to be a pretty much... a No contest, pretty much. Or there's going to be this adjusting period and there's going to be this period of adapting to what Erling Haaland offers because Erling Haaland is set. Erling Haaland cannot adapt to Manchester City because he's a set like what he's good at that it's set in stone. He he's a prolific powerful attacking like a powerful striker, right? He's not going to turn into someone that can be a false nine and drop in the hole and start dictating tempo from, from the attacking third. He's not going to be that because he's never been that. What he is, is a, a like I said, a ready-made, prolific goal scorer that uses his physical prowess to bully defences. And Pep's going to have to adapt to getting the best out of him because he's not going to fit into their system straight away. He's not going to fit into their system as it is or as it stands. So there's going to be that period of adjusting. And I want to bring up, now Now let's get into the, the nerdy stuff, and I want to bring up, as I scoot to this side, and apologies for audio listeners, just go on YouTube and watch it, and then you'll figure out what I'm speaking about. But this is Haaland's heat map um, this season. So, obviously, credit to, to Sofa scores for this. Um, but you can see there, it's a lot in the penalty area. So you have this massive red spot around the penalty, um, this massive like red mark around the penalty spot, Um, which dictates, which has that emphasis of he's playing on the last line. He doesn't like to drop deep as often as perhaps other number nines in various systems. He likes to play facing to goal. So he likes to run towards the goal and use his power, use his physical prowess to to get in front of the defender and, and, and score goals and create chances that way. And you see there that red also transcends just outside the box to almost like the zone 14. Now, if you don't know what the zone 14 is, zone 14 is pretty much that that quadrant, not quadrant, but that bit just be just outside the D, right? Just outside the penalty area. So what that shows for me as well, and then you can see it a little bit on the right-hand side of it as well, is that he is occupying these spaces to then charge into the box and to then use his, like I said, his power to get into the box, beat that man and then get the... Get the um, score goals that way. Whereas if you whereas City City often have employ a system which is very fluid and it's very intricate. So players switch positions left, right and centre. It's very it's almost water torture the way that they beat teams. They just pass and pass and pass and rotation, rotation, rotation. Holland's not going to offer that. Holland is a number nine and he won't waver from that. And if he tries to, he'll just hinder his performance and the performance of the rest of the team. His his way of playing need his way of playing needs to be the priority. Needs to be the priority. He can't adapt to what Man City are doing at currently. Because he's too good for that. Now if we just move back and then move to his stats. Oh there we are. Move to his stats. And again, um FB ref the credit for their stats right but you can see that his attacking numbers are ridiculous 0.82 non penalty goals per 90 3.57 shots per 90 both ranking in the 98th and 91st percentile respectively he's got 0.28 expected assists and 0.345 actual assists we all know that that's great that's fine we all know he's one of the best goal scorers on planet earth at the moment that's no news to everyone however i want to focus down to a couple of other stats now, what in specific? What well, in specifically? Well, specifically, what I'm looking at is what he can offer in an attacking, in a in a creative standpoint. Because because City relies so much on everyone to create for everyone, and I'm just going to emphasize through some of these stats that this potentially won't work. Because we see there, I know he has, I know he has high expected go- um high expected assists, but his progressive passes aren't great. His pass completion are, isn't great. And his dribbles completed aren't great either. Now, what this shows is that Holland relies on two things to score goals, which I know is, again, not news to anyone, but it's his off-the-ball movement, because you can see he's got 7.45 touches in the attacking penalty area, which shows that he can get to places where defenders can't, and he can use his football IQ to get ahead of defenders and be that yard, that meter ahead, right? So he uses his football IQ to get into position. He uses his off-the-ball movement, and like we said, he's just he's he's finishing right. He's just ruthless. However, with that saying, what city of what city need and what city's game plan is emphasised around is creativity everywhere. I mean, you look at their whole front six is is creative and their fullbacks. They've basically got, basically only got three players who aren't creative. Like the defensive midfielder, the two centre halves. I mean, even Edison is like the first line of attack, right? Haaland isn't creative. He's just a ruthless finisher. And we saw how Pep kind of phased out Sergio Aguero. I know that's harsh to say, but Sergio Aguero wasn't... The system wasn't built around Aguero. I'm worried about what what this system's going to be like around Erling Haaland because he isn't a Pep Guardiola number nine. He isn't what Pep Guardiola needs from a number nine. I do think this signing has been made... To kind of protect the, the future of the next manager, I do think that's a that's a um, that's a um, oh I've just I've just deleted myself there I, um, a facet of why this signing has been made. But when you look at Pep Guardiola's system, you look at passing, and we just saw his passing stats there aren't great. And you also look at pressures, and I know Pep Guardiola isn't Pep Guardiola's team at Man City aren't as pressure like pressure heavy as like a Liverpool are right. But you look at his pressure numbers. He has 0 he has 12.86 pressures per 90, which ranks in the 24th percentile, so not great at all. And he's, he only has four successful pressures, which is ranked in the 49th percentile. And granted that that does come to a um, successful pressure percentage of 3.1 or 31.1%, which is in which is in the top 7% of all um, Europe's top five leagues in terms of strikers, but this the, he isn't a pressing number nine, and the stats prove that. He doesn't offer that relentless, off-the-ball, out-of-possession pressing that someone like a Sterling or a Foden or a Bernardo Silva offers. He's a very traditional number nine. He's not a target man, so don't so Man City fans don't expect you to be able to play balls into him, and then he can ping them off. He's not a target man. He's not a like, he's not a person that will win aerial contests. He's not going to be, like, a... He's not going to be in the box winning headers as a front and center. Erling Haaland's way of playing is the exact opposite. And the... I mean, it's, it's really hard to explain because he's so good. So he's obviously going to work. Like, Erling Haaland is obviously going to work at Manchester City. That goes without saying. But Erling Haaland's natural way of playing is the antithesis of Manchester City's Pep Guardiola way of playing. Because Pep Guardiola's way of playing, as I said, has been heavily around possession, third-man runs, water torture style of play, which is pass, 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 movement, movement, movement. Holland is a traditional number nine. He'll be in the box. He likes to use his power to run towards the goal. Doesn't really like playing with his back towards goal. So it's going to be interesting to see how Holland adapts to Man City or how Man City adapts to Erling Haaland. Because Holland's the future for them so they can't change Holland for Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola needs to change for Erling Holland because he's just that good and he's that prolific in what he does. It's going to be interesting to see because obviously he's elite obviously he's elite and obviously it's going to take some some sort of stuff up for Man City to not get at least 30 goals every season from Erling Holland. But it's gonna it's it's it's, it's gonna be one to watch because this isn't as open or shut as some people think it will be. Erling Haaland has a chance to perhaps there's a chance that Erling Haaland doesn't live up to expectations. I don't think that will happen, but there is a big chance that he will. I I don't think it happened. I don't think it will happen for multiple for multiple reasons. I do think Pep Guardiola is smart enough and he's good enough. To change the way he plays to suit Erling Haaland, and I and I I think the players around him will cater to him, but it's gonna. It, I mean, like I said, it's gonna be interesting to see because this isn't as open as shut. It's not as black and white as people think. It's not as it's not as easy as Pep Guardiola gets Erling Haaland. Erling Haaland scores fifty goals a year. Man City win every trophy known to man for the next decade. It's gonna take time to adapt. Adapt. It's gonna take the right adaptation to be made, because like I said, I don't think. Erling Haaland needs to change for Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola needs to change for Erling Haaland. That's just how it works, because because Haaland he, uh, he, uh, Haaland Haaland has is made. He's ready made. I know he's still 21, I think, or he's still young, but he's made. He's set in stone. This is what he is. Pep has bit. Pep has the ability to adapt and to change his systems and to be more fluid in the way that he. Coaches his team. So, my prediction is that Haaland doesn't have the start that people think he will because it's going to take time to adapt. But I do think by the end of next season we're going to say Haaland be the prolific number nine that we saw at Dortmund. Presuming that he stays fit, obviously. Because that's obviously the, the big caveat to all of this. But I think that's enough Haaland chat. I think we've been on for 10 minutes so they will be a good clip um, for the YouTube channel as well. Um... And also, just another, another thing is that... Oh, just another thing because I've seen it on my run sheet. If you look at Dortmund's style of playing, very different to Man City's. Very different to Man City's. City, on average, have 68% possession per game. Dortmund have 59 I know that's still, that's still more than... like That's above 50% possession, so they'll have the ball more often than not. But Dortmund do play more on the counter-attack. They do play more high-tempo, aggressive football. City do like to pass, 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 movement, 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 rotation, 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 which doesn't really suit for Holland. But I mean, I'm no coach, so I'm no I'm no Pep Guardiola. So it'll be interesting to see that. Now let's move on to a game that happened over the weekend, which I'm not going to speak about because it's going to make me really, really, really angry. Um, it was the FA Cup final, of course, and. I'm not even going to speak about the game because the game was pretty boring. Um, penalty shootouts—it's a cruel game, cruel, 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 cruel game. Very cruel game, and it is what it is. I mean, Mason Mount, my my boy, Mason Mount missing a penalty, and oh, uh, it sucked. It really, really sucked watching that game, and it is what it is. Um, we can't we can't change it. But credit to Liverpool, they. Deserve the win probably in ninety minutes. I, I'll give them that. They did deserve the, thro- the, the trophy. I feel like Chelsea could have done a bit better in normal time. I do think that some of the penalties. I mean, you can't really judge on penalties because of the nature of it. But yeah, it just it really, really was disheartening seeing that. But it is what it is. Can't change it. You can't change it. Can't um. You can only ponder what could have happened. Um I, I Thomas Tuchel's substitutions really just staggered me. Why wasn't Timo Werner playing at all? I feel like the Liverpool high line was the catalyst for Timo Werner to have success in this game. What was with bringing on Loftus-Cheek for 10 minutes and then taking him off? Was it just to get Loftus-Cheek some Instagram photos probably. Um but yeah, there was a lot war, there was a lot that annoyed me about this game but it is what it is. Credits Liverpool. The quadruple's still well and truly on, as we've seen, and um, yeah, maybe they can go three for three from three on penalties in cup competitions this this season. Imagine, maybe maybe Real Madrid and Liverpool will go to pens. Who knows? But enough of that, because like I said, I, don't, I really don't want to speak about it. It's gonna really get on my nerves. But credit to Liverpool, got on them, they won again. What a surprise! And also, people getting annoyed that they booed the national anthem and they and people booed. Actually, no. People getting annoyed that Liverpool fans booed the English National Anthem. And do your research before you make comments like that. That's all I'm going to say. Because it's well and truly justified for what they did. So that's all I'm going to say. And as a Chelsea supporter, you know that I'm not saying this for any biased reason. Um, they booed the National Anthem for a reason. Do your research. Um, anything else about the game... I think Luis Diaz had a very. I feel like he exploited Shalaba and that and that um that side. I feel like that was Liverpool's avenue for success for most of the game. I think Jorginho played very well. Didn't do his hop, skip, and a jump for the penalty, which I, I didn't think. He, I didn't think he would do. I did think he'd just step up and whack it, which he did. Um, no Kepa for the penalties. I was shocked by that. I actually thought that that um, he was gonna that um Tuchel was gonna make that change. He didn't. Um, and, and I mean, it worked out, Mendy did save a pen, so there you go, but it is what it is, congrats Liverpool, you broke my heart once again, so maybe, maybe I do want City to win the league, who knows. Um, let's move on and let's transition now to a Europa League final preview, and you will now be joined by past Ari and, and past Pominos and Oz, um, speaking about the Europa League final, so you're going to see me in a different hoodie in about five seconds. So, yes, let's go to that. Okay, so now we're moving on to the preview of the Europa League final and I'm joined by the resident Rangers fan in well, in my life or in Australian YouTube, it's Pom. Now, first, before we get into the preview, how are you feeling? How are you? How are the emotions a week out from, from the big game?
1: Super excited. I mean, obviously the league title now officially gone. So we've got the Scottish Cup and we've got this. But, I mean, winning in Europe for a club in Scotland is huge. So this is everything we've ever dreamed of. I think this is I'm, – I'm super excited. And Frankfurt is probably the favoured draw as well. It's the team that – when I think the draws came out, I was looking at Frankfurt and West Ham. as the two teams I'd hoped you'd get in the final if you could get through to it so excited I think we match up well and uh, hopefully we'll bring it home
0: yeah so obviously the last time you were in a major European final was 2008 obviously it didn't end well for Rangers that day how are the emotions from then compared to now is there a difference is it similar what's what's the go there
1: I think it's similar. I think no one gave us what was Smith's 08 side was a very good side as well. He played very good football. Walter Smith, obviously a legend um, of the Rangers fan base. Uh, Zenit were, a, I think Zenit, though were a tougher ask. Looking back, I remember going to the game and I remember that there was a lot of young players in the Zenit side, uh, Shavin, Arsenal yeah. legend, as you know, the the slayer of Liverpool. Yes. Um, he was in that. There was a lot of players in the Zenit side that were like touted for big European moves. So it was always a tough ask. I think this one here is similar, nerves, but I, I think it's one that you'll fancy yourselves. I mean, UK has a history of beating the Germans in neutral soil in Europe. So we should there be you. all right.
0: There you go. Um, so let's just go back to the start of the season. What was the expectations, maybe not in the league, but in Europe? What were the expectations pre-season about this competition?
1: Well, I think obviously priority is to try and get into the Champions League and obviously we ended up in the Europa um, after going out. So you want to go as deep as you can. I think quarterfinals, maybe as a fan, it might change. But for me, like getting into the quarters, I think was priority number one and then you back yourself after that. I think Rangers, are. you've got to come to Ibrox in these two-legged affairs. And I think Ibrox has an uncanny knack of making good teams find it tough. A lot of the ex-players, Gary Neville, talked about Ibrox was one of the toughest games he played at. It, it, it's got an atmosphere as well. So I think because you've got them two-legged affairs... You always back yourself. But I think quarters is the minimum expectation. You want to put a good show mm-hmm. and you don't want to go out. But as the draw opened up, I think from the quarterfinals, I was saying finals win this thing because every side started losing. Do you know what yep. I mean? and Barcelona, for some reason, looked vulnerable the leg before they went out. And once Barca went out, I think it was anyone's, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. So uh, I, I agree because I saw Barcelona obviously falling into the Europa League. I thought, all right, who's going to beat them? And then obviously the team you are versus Frankfurt did in fact beat them over, over two legs, but you spoke about the knockout draw and you spoke about the the nature of that. What has been your highlight of the, maybe of the knockout draw, what game I think I'd have a good idea um, considering the the last or the semifinal, but what was the highlight of the knockout draw so far for you?
1: I, th- I think uh, John Lundstrom's goal last week um yeah. That, that got me up and about. I'll tell you, that got me up and about. And especially it being Lundström, who's become like a little bit of a folk town hero this season for us. He has an uncanny knack of playing that old school 90s Rangers way of being a tough tackling player. And um, one thing that Lundström's done under GVB as well, um, Bronkhurst, is he, we're very fluid yeah. in our formation where Steven Gerrard was very rigid, flat back four, It stayed that way all the time. GVB's got a more European approach where we're very fluid in our tactical thing. And last week you saw it big style, that Lundström came from the midfield and became part of a back three. And he let Bassi, I mean, Barashitz and and Tavener play more as an attacking wing-back. And that, where Lundström's showing that and getting that goal, I thought he deserved it because the first leg, I thought we could have lost by more if it wasn't for him. So for him to actually... Get, get the winner, effectively, was a great moment. And the last five minutes as well, That they, they it was one-way traffic. I don't know if anyone watched it, um, but Rangers were under the cosh. Um, that last 10 seconds as well, where James Tavener from nowhere lunges in for a tackle, misses everything, and you're like, oh, no, yeah. and we get it cleared. It, it was a proper European affair, and now, obviously, we go to that one-leg, one-knockout approach in a neutral venue. So exciting times ahead hopefully this will be my highlight yes
0: well hopefully for for everyone it will be now let's let's go to the final let's give it a pretty in-depth preview what so for those who haven't watched rangers so far this season, i know you spoke about the fluid like tactical approach to the game how would you describe the way that your side plays in possession and, and what are your avenues for success in every game
1: Well, I think that we've probably got one of the top three right-backs in world football in James Tavernier. I mean, the guy is the leading scorer in Europa, free-kick specialist and mercurial captain, our hero. Um, What you'll notice with Giovanni's side is they're very attacking, they're very direct. Um, We're totally different to the Gerrard Rangers, it's taken a while to break in. I think we're more defensively sound, but I think one thing that's amazing about us is our ability to counter-attack from next to nothing. We're very good at soaking up pressure and hitting them with with, with width and being very direct as well. I did read a stat the other day that we've actually doubled our long ball passes under GVB in the last year over Gerrard, and you do notice it that overlap from from Tav and Barisic is massive down them flanks. So that's where we look to go. Obviously, we are missing, though, our legend, that is Morales, uh, out for the season. But genuinely, that is the plan. Get the ball and try and feed him in. So you'll be looking at a lot of overlap. And I think the battle between Tav and Koshtik is going to be the best battle here because they run everything through him just so happens to coincide with Tab's flank as well. So should be a great battle, that one.
0: Yeah, Yeah. you spoke about Morales. I know, obviously, um, Ines Hadji as well, out for the season with a knee injury. Has those injuries, I know that they aren't recent injuries, but have those put a little bit of doubt in your mind or maybe thinking if we have those two players, we'd have more of a chance? Or is it, this is the squad we've got, this is the chance we've got, and let's just go for it?
1: Uh, Not really, no, because I think Scotty Wright, um, who we brought in, uh, he plays that on the right-hand side, and what you've noticed with him is he's kind of playing the Giannis, Hadji-type role, and he's become like a real old-school number eight, box-to-box midfielder, which allows Tav to overlap. It's allowed Ramsey, when he's played, a Rebo as well to work off him, and he kind of fills that hole. It's very similar to the Gary Neville-Beckham type role that you used to see where Neville did the overlapping and Beckham kind of cut inside and then played the long ball there. So I think it's made us more adaptive. I I do think Iyanis is probably better at that role, but it's nice to see that that role has kind of come out of a necessity where Iyanis is an attacking player himself. Scotty Wright has played that more defensive right wing, cutting inside and allowing Tav to be really expressive, which makes us more dangerous. Obviously, Morales is brilliant, though. Alfredo yeah. is, is is head and shoulders, the best striker at the club. Kent's done well, though, um, playing that role, playing a bit more centrally. Um, the legend that is, as well, Fashion Sakala, you'll see him at some point in this game here. Uh, he's done well as well. We do miss him, um, but I, I still think we've got enough to hurt these teams.
0: Yeah. So let's let's move across to your opponents, Frank. But now, there's obviously, I'm not, I know, a lot of people probably won't know a lot about them because obviously they are playing Germany and they're not they're not the Dortmunds or the Bayern Munichs about them uh, or in Germany rather. What if have you have you seen a lot of Frankfurt's maybe Europa League campaign so far? What are your thoughts on them?
1: I, I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd. I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to opposition, but yeah, I have seen them. I mean, they are a very good side. I mean, you've got Sal there. I mean, people who play FIFA. Well, actually <laughs> yeah. know the Frankfurt side pretty well yeah. because I think every special German card in the game that is overpowered yeah. is a Frankfurt player. But, um, Sau is their breaker up of plays, he's, he's kind of like an Audi Vieira, really, for them. He, he's been brilliant in the a particularly against Barca. He yeah. really stopped that tick attacker, Zavi type football. He, he, he's a breaker up of play. I mean, Koshtik, we've touched on him. S- sensational. I think he will be at a big European club
0: yeah. next so, year.
1: He's 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 a very good footballer. And um, commander as well, that, that that Asian sensation up forward, he's got frightening pace. He, he can score at will. And Kevin Trapping goal as well, he ain't so bad. But I mean, they've got a lot of pace from this side. They're a, they're a strong, pacey side. To beat Barcelona, you've got to be pretty good. So yeah. it's interesting because we're similar styles. We're counter-attacking football. So it's going to be really an opportunity for both sides to showcase a bit more front foot football as opposed to being the underdogs. I think yeah. this is a fairly evenly matched final. I think both sides will fancy it.
0: Yeah, and I think the the main, what you just touched on is both team style of play. And we notoriously see some finals be very cagey, be very timid, especially early on, because you're still trying to figure each other out. How do you see this going in terms of maybe the first 10, first 20 minutes? Do you reckon either team will come out of the blocks like on the front foot, high tempo, or do you think it will be more cagey, timid, just trying to work each other out? How do you think it will pan out?
1: I think GVB has put this down as priority number one. I think the title will have been very high up because he's a former Rangers player, but there's always been a part of me since we lost the lead. Um, They got that six-point gap that I thought, I reckon GVB now is solely focused on this. And I think we'll come out hard. I really do, because I think that the worst thing that's happened for Frankfurt is we lost the title this week. So there's literally now, really, we've got two games left. We've got this in the Scottish Cup final four days after after the game. So for me, I think we'll come out hard. I think we'll look to try and impact them early. But the wonderful thing about our side is that we score late goals, there's a lot of yeah. running in this side. But I do think we'll take it to Frankfurt. I don't think Frankfurt will come out as hard as us. I do think the opening 10 minutes, though, I think you'll see Rangers looking to get it to Tav, get it into Barisic and really press them hard and try and get the early one.
0: Yeah, I think I, I, the, probably the main reason why that, that start of the game is so important is because of how, how teams finish the game, obviously, like you said, with your tie against Leipzig, it was very intense all the way to the final final whistle, whereas Frankfurt, through Aaron, Quest, Aaron Cresswell's here, um, were able to put the foot off the gas a little bit. Do you think that could play a part? Do you reckon the fact that you had to go all the way to the end, full tempo, playing your heart out, whereas Frankfurt were able to just put the foot off the gas a little bit and really just compose themselves and let the moment sink in? Do you reckon those the nature of the two semi-finals will play a factor um, coming into next week?
1: I, I think it will do. I think that for us, though, I think Leip- Leipzig aren't too dissimilar to Frankfurt in the terms of that they do play traditional German p- football, kind of like Frankfurt do. So I think for us, we got a good preparation fight. I don't think Frankfurt are as good as them, so I think. For us, it was probably a good test because we've had to work for it. I don't think Frankfurt have been really tested, no disrespect to West Ham since the Barca game. I think that they've had quite an easy run and not had to it. So, I think for both of them, we've both got the same type of thing on the line. Nothing really happening in our domestic league. This is kind of the showpiece piece. But I think we're both pretty rested. Do you, I mean, we played yeah. quite early this week, so we'll be rested. And I, I do think GVB, like I say, primary focus has been this competition for a while, I think. So I think this is going to be the big last hurrah. And I think for a lot of players, there's rumours that Goldson's going at the end of the year, that Jack's going. There's a few players on that, Rangers, that are evidently on the conveyor belt looking for bigger jobs and GVB wanting to make his own mark. I think it might be the final hurrah, particularly for McGregor as well in goal. That guy is one of the few players on this pitch older than me. There you go. Um, with this final, obviously, there's massive stakes.
0: Do, would you take too much solace, or maybe not solace, but would the outcome of the game, a win or a loss, affect this side and maybe the the morale and the motivations of this side Going into next season, or are you know, you're not even thinking about, and you're not even thinking about next season just yet. But do do you feel that a win could define Rangers for the next five, ten years, whereas a loss could have that very detrimental and like demoralizing feeling about it? Or you, or is next season in the back of your mind that you just focused on on next week?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, I think whenever we're in a privileged position in Scotland that when Rangers or Celtic win, it motivates the other one because there's nothing we hate more than them, like them with us winning anything. So I think the motivation is already there. So I think win, lose or draw, I think for us, the motivation is already there. We've got to get that title back and bring it back home. We can't have them getting excited. So I think the window here will be a huge catalyst for next year because I think that this puts us above Celtic in the terms of we can do it in Europe as well. We are one of the better teams in Europe. Obviously, it guarantees you Champions League football as well. So, I mean, that's a big thing for us as well that we'll get to do that as well. So, I, I think it's a big motivator. I don't think it will have any bearing on the title next year because I think the GVB will want that title back, no doubt, as a Rangers boy himself. But I think it could be a huge... I think it's a huge thing as well for the transfers, I think when you win in Europe, just makes that a bit more of an attractive quality. We've attracted some big names, Aaron Ramsey being one of them. There's rumors that we're sniffing around Gareth Dale. I think you win at Europa and there's golf yep. courses in Scotland. There you go. Gareth Dale's in.
0: There you go. No brainer. Um, we so let's just let's fast forward to next we're next week. Should, what would be your your team talk? What would be the main message just before the lads go out to battle? What would be your, your this is Sparta type speech to them? What what would be the main message?
1: Well, I think look at Walter Smith's side. The, the guy, unfortunately, is no longer with us, but he's a legend, an icon. He built probably one of the most faithful Rangers sides of the last 50 years. Do something he he didn't do. He couldn't do. And I think it's a chance to cement yourself in history it's it's a big thing. When was the last time a Scottish team won in Europe? The 60s. I think it was the scum in the European Champions League or the European Cup as it was then. I think that's the thing. It's the champ, these names will be cemented forever. I think the title last year was a huge milestone, but I think this is this is a milestone that is huge. It is beyond that. And I think it's it's the right the wrongs. I think Walter Smith is that's probably his one blot on his career. He didn't get that win. This is a chance here for the boys to really cement themselves in the history of football. There you go.
0: Now uh, I, I hesitate to ask, but your prediction for for next week. I know I know this could change because we are recording this on the 13th, so Friday. So nearly, nearly seven days out from the actual fact. But what's your predictions? What do you what do you think in the result could be? Three-one rangers.
1: Goal scorers? Uh Tav two. <laughs> I reckon Ken. <laughs> There you
0: go. I, I would love to say go to the Peds. just to see. I, I wouldn't. Uh, I would. Maybe maybe not for your sake, but I feel <laughs> like it'd be. If you good entertainment, maybe the Scottish can do what the English can't on pens against the Germans.
1: Ah, uh, you'd fancy us with penalties. I think half of our team is a specialist penalty taker. So, there you go. so maybe penalties you would it. be all right. But uh, I, I think I, I think we'll get the job done in normal time, and we'll be back at back at Ibrox by midnight. Hopefully,
0: uh, is that? Maybe in that in your thought process behind that prediction, do you think a goal will come early for what you said, that you'll come out of the blocks quickly, you'll come out high-tempo, high-octane style of play? Do you reckon you could get one within the first 20, first 10?
1: Yeah, I mean, Tav on like I say, under the system, you've started to see Tav getting to the final third just a ridiculous amount. And he opened the scoring in the semi as well, just bursted forward from nowhere and just happened to be far post. And, Tapping. So I can see an early goal because I think that's one thing I've noticed in Europe. We have come out high intensity trying to get it, trying to put a statement, get them on the back burner and let them know we can play. So I think there will be an early goal and then I'd imagine it will open up at half time. And I think when games open up, you start with Leipzig as well. Rangers play their best football. So I'm excited, but I think it will be, I think there'll be a few goals in this one. I think both sides are capable of breaking the other one down and playing positive football.
0: There you go. So that's the the preview from the Resident Rangers fan um, on or in Australian YouTube anyway. But so for those who don't know who you are, I don't know why you wouldn't, but Pommy and I was on YouTube Road to 3K. Let's get him there. Let's get him there. So any any help for him would be greatly appreciated. Pommy, mate, thank you very much for joining me. My pleasure. Cheers, mate. Thanks. Thanks, mate. Uh, go rangers, come on. Go
1: Rangers, go on, mom the Jers.
0: <laughs> there, you go. there you go. That was the Europa League final preview with Pommy and Oz. As I said in that in that um, in that preview, check him out. He does some really good stuff um, about the round ball and about the um, egg-shaped ball. That is AFL football. So check him out. The links will be in the description as always. Now let's move on and let's end this episode um, with who went into footer. Now, for those who don't know, this is the segment. Call it that? Yeah, let's call it a segment. Let's call it the only only actual structured featured thing on this podcast where I basically just go through each week and find out who, what player, club, organisation, anyone in football did something daft. And just like last week with with Luke Ayling, this one will both be a metaphorical and literal who went into footed because it is the both two evident players, Jared Branthwaite and Salomon Rondon, getting sent off in a must-win game for the Toffees. I know, I know Branthwaite didn't go too, in two-footed, um, and, whereas Rondon definitely did. It's just dumb, just idiotic stuff. Uh, why? You, like, the one of the biggest games of your season, and you get two players sent off. I mean, poor Frank Lampard, he can't really do a lot about it. It's just, yeah, it's like, why? Why, why, why? And if Everton go down, which they've got Palace and Arsenal and burnley have villa and newcastle and leeds have brentford so it's going to be one one battle to um to see who goes down i mean southampton can also go down i doubt they will but they 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 won't but they're still technically in in for a shout but it will be very interesting to see who goes down i do think he will still be Everton. i don't know or i really don't want him to because i love frank lampard as i've said Countless times in countless episodes. But I just don't have trust. I, don't, I, don't, I can't trust them yet. Until until I can earn their trust, I, I, I don't think they'll stay up. But let's move on to the preview of the week. We obviously have the A-League. Oh, I forgot to speak about the A-League semifinals. Also, who went into footed? Channel 10. You're a joke. You're a disgrace. You're an absolute disgrace. For those who don't know, for those who are watching overseas, basically, Channel 10 is one of our big, um, like, Pub not free to air like channels, so it's like if if you have a TV and a cable, you can watch it, right? They showed the A League, um, the A League games over the weekend, so our like playoffs to determine who wins the league, and they decided to show an ad during the games, during the game twice, and missed two goals, I believe. So, I mean, you went in two footed, Channel Ten, you're 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 just fucking unbelievable. But um, yeah, obviously Brisbane were all beat, Western Sydney. 3-1, no, that was in that was in, the, that was in the cup, don't worry about that, Western Sydney beat Wellington 1-0, and Adelaide beat Central Coast 3-1, so yes, um, so yeah, let's move on to the preview of the week, obviously we've got Newcastle vs Arsenal coming in tomorrow morning, big game for the top four, I do think Arsenal win that, we've also got Western United vs Melbourne Victory in the first leg of the semis, I do think Victory will win that, um, win that tie, I do think it'll be 1-0 in the first leg, and... 2-1 in the second leg. Um Southampton Liverpool, I think Liverpool win that. United, Adelaide United versus Melbourne City, I do think it'll be the same. City will win over two legs. I think it'll be 1-0. I reckon it'll be no, I reckon it'll be 2-0 both legs to to Melbourne City. Obviously the Europa League final which we spoke about, which I gave my preview there. Some games over the weekends, happening midweek, and then the big the big games, the big final day of the season. For both Italy and England, I think Italy, I do think AC Milan will win the league. They've got Sassuolo away. I do think they'll get it. They'll do enough to win the league from there. Obviously, all they need to do is win, I believe, or even a draw. No, they just need a win, and I do think they will. And last day the Prem, I think... Let's go from bottom to top. I think Everton will go down. I think the top four, or I think Man United will get conference... I think West Ham and Tottenham will get Europa League. I think Arsenal will finish fourth. Chelsea will finish third, obviously. And Liverpool will win the league. Something's happening here. Um, And then, yeah, we don't speak until then. And I actually don't know what I'm going to do... For obviously we have the Champions League final the week after, so we'll do an in-depth preview next week of the Champions League final, and then God knows what I'll be doing um, for the for the off season. I'll, I'll, I'm still thinking about that, so once I know, I'll let you guys know. But that's enough. Pretty long-ish episode today. Thank you all very much for watching. Um, enjoy the football. Give me, let me know your predictions in the comments below for the end of the season. Who's going to win the league? Who's going to win the league? Who's going down? And who gets each respective European place? Because everything's still to play for. Um, obviously, give me your predictions about the Europa League final as well. Um, stay well. Stay safe. Enjoy the football. See you guys next episode. Uh, yeah, see you guys. Goodbye.